if you wait for yourself to be comfortable, you're going to be waiting a long time because on that other end could be the life that you want. We are go for liftoff in T minus 30. All systems are on And on this episode of the Great Escape podcast, I have Kat McLeod, who has a 20 plus year history of entrepreneurship, serial entrepreneurship. So we share that in common. And you've also overcome some pretty serious hurdles. Kat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Stuart. I'm excited to be here. You're so welcome. So tell us what life was like before you made these changes. I grew up in an extremely abusive home. I was beaten with a bamboo stick on a regular basis. My life was threatened. I really thought I could be murdered while I was growing up. I grew up being basically told I was nothing and worthless, and I believed it. I spent a lot of my young childhood trying to be perfect, thinking if I was perfect, then the abuse would stop and I would be a good little girl. And then I grew into a rebellious teenager. I was dating a 30-year-old man at the age of 17. I was screwed up in the head. I had a lot of anger issues. Luckily for me, I was bright. So I did go to university and in university, I became a stripper. I ran myself into credit card debt like a lot of young people getting a credit card for the first time do. And I stripped my way out of it. On the positive side, I gained financial independence. And as soon as I graduated, two weeks later, I moved myself out to expensive Los Angeles, knowing that I could support myself financially because my undergrad in psychology was not going to make me be able to live a lifestyle that I was used to in Los Angeles. When I moved to LA, I found out all the clubs here had lap dancing and I wasn't cool with that because I was manhandled by my father and I did not want people manhandling me. So I actually answered an ad to be a dominatrix at the age of 22. So this was my first foray into owning my own business. I really actually enjoyed being a dominatrix for the first six months because it turned the tide of power and abuse and I was getting paid to act out stuff that some rage inside of me. However, after that six to nine months, I was only doing it for the high income. I was really used to making really high income in my entire adult life. I never made under a hundred something dollars an hour. I grew to hate the business and decided to get a quote unquote normal job and niche down my business to only what I most enjoyed slash tolerated. And this was a small portion of my BDSM business. So I truly thought I was not going to survive on that. And instead my business blew up. My rates more than over doubled. My clientele level went up. And that's when I found out at the age of 22 that the niches really are in the riches. So that started my 20 year entrepreneurship. Okay. And, and, your comment about your finding the niche that suited you both temperamentally and um, financially uh, is, is a really interesting one. We see that uh, frequently, that people who try and throw a, a broad net around income actually can end up in sort of just running themselves ragged. Whereas if you can find the niche, that you're actually then able to... Um, to maximize the income available within that niche. But I want to go back to what you were saying about 
you, you were you were doing something that you weren't entirely comfortable with, but it helped you get the rage out. And once the rage was gone, then actually you decided I, you needed to change. Was that, did that come in one realization or did that happen over a period of time? It happened over a period of time. I'm also start stopping that story 20 years ago. So there's still a lot more of unfolding to go. At that period of time, it's just something that I could not do anymore. Actually being a dominatrix takes a lot of energy. People be shocked to find that out, but it takes a lot of energy to command that situation and actually physically taxing doing that kind of work. I did not enjoy my multiple six-figure fetish business. So the business that I then went into for the next five years, I really enjoyed the money. And again, it was the same thing. At the first six to nine months of it, I really enjoyed it. I niche down to only what I enjoyed the most. And it was fun and powerful at that time. I mean, I owned my first home here in expensive Los Angeles at the age of 23 years old because I was used to commanding a very high income and running a good business. However, I did not feel fulfilled. I did not feel like I was doing meaningful and purposeful work. I kept my business secretive, even though I was not having sex with my clients, it was still categorized in the sex industry and I treated it as such because it is a taboo subject. And during this time I was depressed. I had a bad eating disorder. I function to do work that I didn't enjoy because I was used to the money. So during this period, I definitely was having some mental issues and I did a lot of therapy. I went to a therapist twice a week for years during this time period. And that's a really interesting one that I hear a lot and and leaving the industry aside, because I think actually the, the industry that you were in is irrelevant to the story in a way that we see people who have got themselves into a situation where the the money has become almost an addiction, the lifestyle is built around a level of income, and then you end up trapped because you can't switch to doing something that's more fulfilling and more in tune with who you are because the money was has become this kind of trap of itself. Yes, it's referred to often as the golden handcuffs, and I can attest that it's true. I knew other women in the industry, and it was hard to quit. It was really hard. So moving on further in my story, I actually, after five years, could not do it any longer. And I got hired by one of my long-term clients to grow a division of his corporation. So being an entrepreneur, I actually easily translated into corporate life I just did not like having a boss, being working in an office, having all these rules. I was used to being the boss and making my own rules. I did not translate that way. However, my skills did because I did great in corporate and blew up this division of his company. I couldn't tolerate it. Again, after like the six to nine month mark where I just go, I can't do this anymore. So I decided to get my graduate degree in psychology and give back that way. Because as I mentioned during all of this time, I was healing an eating disorder. I was healing through depression, some anxiety, lots of mental work coming forward. And as my second year graduate school project, I chose to help women transition out of the sex industry. 
I knew exactly what this entailed. These women were used to making hundreds, if not thousands of dollars an hour. And it is really hard to leave that money behind, even if you truly do not want to do the work anymore. So I became a business coach the only way I could see for them to transition was to become entrepreneurs that made high profit for the time spent. These were women not used to working full time, not having a boss, used to making their own schedule. And that's how I transitioned them out of the sex industry. After I graduated graduate school, I became a certified coach and opened up my practice to all different industries, men and women. And here, 13 years later, I still use the same framework of high profit for the time spent to work with my pampered stay-at-home moms because we are busy moms and our first mom job I mean it comes first we already have a full-time job we don't get paid for called mom and that comes first so again it is the same framework with that high profit for the time spent so I really did a 180 with my business life and my entrepreneurship and along the way I really truly value fulfillment and meaningful work above all else and then marry that with high profit because if you're going to build a business or any part of your life it's got to feel good for you or you're going to be in that golden handcuff situation or just unhappy and if you're overcoming filling your life with stuff that actually makes you feel good and this includes meaningful work is going to make a tremendous difference and I can confidently say for the last decade I have been living a dream life a true dream life especially from where I started out I really have made an amazing life for myself and that's really encouraging to hear because you've you've created the life that you wanted and I think what a lot of people who are trapped in difficult situations kind of get stuck believing that it's not possible to to make that transformation and it sounds to me like you've you've hit these transformation points regularly. You, know, you got to six to nine months in that job and you know this needs to change. Were you, excuse me, were you structured in the way you made a plan for the next move or did you just look for serendipity when it happened? I was not structured and I want to point out for listeners who feel stuck that it was not success only. It was really messy, lots of mess at a lot of times. I tried to quit my multiple six-figure fetish business over and over again, repeatedly before I was successful in leaving. What did help me is I started adding in the pleasure that I just discussed, stuff that I found meaningful for at that time, that was yoga. I started doing yoga classes and then I started teaching yoga. So I would be sacrificing my very high income to teach a $25 class. And I had to be okay with that. Fortunately for me, I had a full-time assistant at the time and he was very supportive and he pointed out that it was actually keeping my fetish business going by me fulfilling myself that way. And these little added in touches. So there wasn't this dramatic stop point. I can't, I was not strong enough at the time. I did not have it in me to have that dramatic stop point. It was over years where I added in and kept listening to the voice that wanted more for myself before I actually was able to say enough and then 
at that point, I was open and honest. I looked exactly what you said, serendipity. Like I looked for opportunity. Something presented it to myself and I said yes to it. And when it wasn't exactly what I wanted, I said yes to the next step. So it was about taking little steps along the way with three steps backwards at times and just saying yes to new opportunities and letting that voice that wanted more for my life, even though I could, you know, at that point, I could have had a seven figure business if I kept scaling it and adding in other people to work underneath me, but that wasn't what I wanted for my life. So it's about listening to that voice within that wants more. So those of you listening who are like, well, Kat could do it, but I just can't. It's simply not true. I also suffer from all that not feeling good enough, not being worthy enough, not knowing the way, and that's okay. All it takes is truly that one step in front of the other. And I'll bring up an example that I learned in graduate school and I found it extremely helpful. In graduate school, we learned something called three foot tosses. They brought in an entire carnival game with poles at three foot, six foot, nine, 12, 15, 18 feet. And we were given rings. And the people who racked up the most points were the ones that consistently went only for the three foot tosses. Sure, someone would get lucky here and there and get a 12 or 15 foot toss, but overwhelmingly they would wind up with zero going for those tosses. And so what this ingrained is taking those little steps. So for me, that was adding in yoga, doing the therapy, transitioning to a client that I felt comfortable with, transitioning to an offer at his company. These are three foot tosses and I didn't know the outcome and I didn't know the path along the way. I just knew I wanted more for myself. And, and I think the the idea of the three foot toss, the the thing going for the thing that is achievable, the thing that you can achieve today is very, very important because we're so used to uh, the image of success that we see in terms of entrepreneurs and well, actually, the image of success I think that we see most often in the media is is people who are famous simply for being famous. They haven't actually done anything impressive or clever. They were just on a reality TV show or whatever and have milked that. And we get an unrealistic idea of of what is possible for everybody. And actually for everybody, the three-foot toss is something you can get good at. Absolutely. And just because it's a three foot toss does not mean it's comfortable. As a matter of fact, when you are moving towards the dream life, I would say that it is uncomfortable along the way. You are used to the current life you have now. And a part of you, even if you do not like where you are right now, is very comfortable there and is thriving there because it's keeping you alive. So as you move towards the dream life, it's uncomfortable. You have to do things that you're not comfortable with. If you wait for yourself to be comfortable, you're going to be waiting a long time because on that other end could be the life that you want, but it's not comfortable when you're taking those steps. It wasn't comfortable for me to shut down a multiple six-figure business, but here I am, met, I don't know how many years now, 16 years later or 15 years later, and I'm living a true dream life, living with work i absolutely adore living a extremely wealthy life in a loving family with a loving son and husband and that's true wealth with way more money than i had back then oh yeah definitely (laughs) 
having having struggled through bad marriages myself, it's so lovely to be in a relationship where it works, and I would pay anything to have that. But I think that you bring up there the the concept of that that life isn't just about one aspect. It's it's yes, we need enough money to pay the bills, and then we need a bit more money to to wrap that in some luxury because it's nice to have some luxury but actually it's whether home is safe whether home is comfortable whether home is a place that you can thrive and be loved and cared for is is far more important than whatever the whether it's five figures six figures seven figures doesn't matter as much as being safe in your own home I do believe that wealth comes in all different aspects, and I have truly created a life where I have wealth in all aspects. We have seven-figure wealth and a loving home and loving friends, and we're very healthy. It, it all it all can go together, and it just takes those steps towards that direction. And if you have a part of you that wants this, then I encourage you to fill this part of you, to let it grow louder, and to just start adding things into your life. It doesn't mean you need to take anything away that isn't working for you right now. Instead, just start adding something that is working for you. And over time, because it is not an overnight thing. It is not a fame thing. It is a consistent step-by-step forward process. I unfolded this dream life over many years. Me too. You you, You see these people who are overnight successes and most of them have worked very, very hard over a long period of time to get to the point where the overnight success happened. Um, and, and so you, your concept of step by step, do the thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and add the stuff in that feeds you first before necessarily making the jump. If you look at successful businesses on a graph, it often looks like hockey sticks. It looks flat, 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 and then just a little bit of rise, and then it goes all the way up. And that could be year 10. And this is not just for business. This is life in general. When you're first starting out in those uncomfortable steps, it can look flat for a long time. Then it starts to go up a little, and then it can explode. And I can tell you from my own experience, that's exactly what happened to me. There was a decade of almost flatness with little ads. And then for the last decade, it exploded. And I am truly an example of those little steps leading to a really satisfying dream life. And that's so wonderful to hear. And your, your, your comment about the hockey stick is true in so many ways. And it comes from something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which um, I will have done a podcast <laughs> on by the time this episode comes out, um, which is where... When we start out doing something, we don't know what we don't know. And as we begin to become more competent, we realize that there are other, there are things we don't know. And then we set out to learn those things. And that's when the foot really goes down on the gas pedal and, and the competence and the confidence really start accelerating away. Um, yeah, Google Dunning-Kruger. It was uh, parapsychologists did a bunch of research. Um, I'm not going to get into a discussion of the political implications and applications of this piece of research, but in both the US and the UK right now, you can see it at work. Anyway, um, people who don't know what they're doing think they're pretty good at what they're doing. That's all I'm going to say. So 
Now your business is helping other people build their businesses. It has been for the last 13 years with a few years off to raise my son. Okay. And how do you see the future for you? Is this going to continue? But actually, I, you know, I sense in you that there is a restlessness, that you'll be adding new things in and changing things as life continues. I truly believe that as you evolve, your business will evolve. So right now, I focus mainly on pampered stay-at-home moms. And specifically, I love helping people find their right business idea. It is something that I've honed for the last 13 years. It brings me great pleasure. I'm currently running a group program for just that. And I identify a lot with being a stay-at-home mom right now. My son is six years old. When he hits middle school and he's independent and he no longer is like, mom, and needs me all the time, will I only be working in this field? I doubt it. Just like you said, I will evolve with my, my business will evolve with me. And because I am very good at business, I do not fear that evolution. So I encourage those of you who have been standing still but want to start their own business or you're at a nine to five you do not like and you're standing still because you're fearing that you don't have the right idea, you don't have it in you, just starting is best because let's just say that you build a business, you get success with it, and a year down the line, you realize this isn't for me. It's okay. You know how to build a business. You'll be able to pivot it. I help multiple six-figure business owners pivot their ideas into a subset of their niche that they most enjoy on a repeated basis, and they get instant success. They already have a base. They know how to run a business what I'm saying is it's okay to make a decision, stick with that decision, make it come out, and you are not going to be stuck with it for life. Yeah, and and the whole of life is cyclical. We make decisions, we head off down a road, we learn new stuff, new opportunities arise, and we pivot, and we head off in a slightly different direction. And sometimes that's more or less successful, but usually you're building on all of that experience that you've had to create something new. Right, Stuart. What we were talking about where people just hold still, and we understand when you're feeling depressed or feeling like you cannot do it or it's just not in it for you, that stillness, that stuck energy, I fully understand it. I've been there myself. I know, Stuart, you've also been there yourself. Yet, that fear that's holding us afraid of making the wrong choice, afraid of doing anything wrong, afraid of doing anything uncomfortable, it does not serve you. Just check in. Do you feel good about it? If not, then just add in that something. And even if it isn't right down the line, it's okay. It's going to get you moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's like the oil tanker. You can't steer an oil tanker that's not moving. You have to get it moving and then you can change its direction um, and I you know feel like an oil tanker sometimes I'm just sitting here and nothing's moving and I'm big and heavy and uh, um, so yeah get moving and and then it makes a huge difference and you you referred earlier I want to go back to something you said uh, about the eating disorder and getting help for that and and I recognize you know I've had situations where I think, you know, no, I need to get help with that situation. And people feel ashamed of reaching out uh, either to professionals or friends and saying, you know, yeah, I, I have this issue, whatever, whichever way it is, eating too much, eating too little, drinking too much, prescription drugs, illegal drugs, whatever it is, 
that actually it is okay to reach out and get help and, and engage with that help? It completely is. And I will just say that I had an eating disorder from age 14 to age 26. I sought professional help at the age of 17 and on and off during that entire almost decade. And it was, like I said, it was not success only. It was very messy. It was horrible at times what I did to myself. And at the end of that nine years, it happened because I made a decision finally. But that decision was nine years in the making that I would no longer do this to myself. And I truly haven't. I have had some backsliding here and there for short periods of time where I have to catch myself. And it's all about a trust and control issue. So all of our addictions and all of our stuff it comes from that lack of trust in ourselves or us putting our control into something else something that we feel like we can more control or not control <laughs> depending on where where the case may be and this goes back into trusting ourselves and re feeling what's right for us and knowing that we truly have the answers and know it is not success only. That's why I point out that I had this from 14 to 26 with professional help along the way, yet it still took me nine years and a strong decision. And same would be for my depression. I had I was clinically depressed from age 17 to I can't remember when I think about 26 or 27 about the same about the same time I gave up the eating disorder I gave up the depression too and even though I've had some trauma in my life after that and I've been very in my grief I have never been clinically depressed again that was a long time in the making and again I also made a decision and I saw a lot of professional help along the way but the eating disorder strangely enough I made the decision I went to Barnes and Nobles and bought every single book on eating disorders and I read all of those books and I mean it. I went to the shelf and bought every book and a specific book felt right to me and I made a decision that I rather become obese than continue to starve myself, purge, just do the terrible things I was doing to my body. And guess what? Stuart's looking at me. I'm fit and healthy to this day, giving up all my fears of becoming 400 pounds, all of that. It was all in my head and it was not like it was messy when I was giving up that eating disorder. It took years for me to level out even after that decision, years to level out. But I can say that it's something that affects me so little to this, like now in my life, it is such a small portion of my life. And same with depression. I truly haven't felt clinically depressed in over a decade, yet I spent a lot of the beginning part of my life feeling depressed. So this, it goes back to that hockey stick. So for that decade, you can hear nine years eating disorder, depression, almost as long and it was that hockey stick and then for the past decade i've been on that high end of that hockey stick yeah and and obviously this my listener can't see you but you look like a human being who's comfortable in your skin (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and for me you know i'm a big guy i'm 200 pounds and i fight between there's times when i head down to the gym regularly and turn most of that into reasonable muscle and there are other times when it drifts off and it becomes flabby and horrible (laughs) but (laughs) we we go through 
phases, you know, and I had a holiday in Australia this year and came back and looked in the mirror and thought, oh no, because I had just eaten like a pig all the way, to, all the time. But, um, but I'm back at the gym now and it's coming back to muscle, so it's okay. Kat, that's been a really interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And we will, as always, put your contact details in the uh, show notes so people can get hold of you and engage with you and continue the conversation. Thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Great Escape Podcast. You can find other episodes at all the usual places on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify or at the website greatescapepodcast.com forward slash episodes. And if you'd like to contact me to talk about any element of this episode or others have covered, please go to greatescapepodcast.com forward slash contact and you can find all the ways of getting hold of me there. And if you're stuck in a situation and you can't find the way out, please go there, send me a message and let's see how we can work together to get you unstuck and moving forward with your life again. Please do share this podcast with your friends and family, other people you think might appreciate it, and comment on episodes or send me a message. I'd love to keep the conversation going.